Let's Talk Books, the podcast where we review books. Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, discuss and read and review young adult fiction. Indeed. This week, Kira is the one who read a book for us. Yes, I read a book called Perfectly Preventable Deaths which is just a fantastic title for any book, by Deirdre Sullivan, who is an Irish author. I think I saw another book by Deirdre Sullivan in the library recently and was very tempted to take it and read it for the pod. I'm now glad that I didn't, because I'd forgotten that she'd written this book. Um, was that needlework? It was. It that was looks, tattoos. That book looks really interesting, and we possibly will do it in the future. Because I'm definitely going to read it. And because you're, like, getting a tattoo this month. I am, but don't say that on the pod because my parents don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Does Dennis still listen? I don't think so, but what if they pick this one to randomly get back in? Okay. okay. And also, I'm getting it, like, in a visible place. They're probably going to find out that I have a tattoo. But it's so much easier just not to tell parents things. This is true. This is true. Hey, kids, you can just not tell your parents things, but you should probably tell them things if if it's going to bring you harm to not. Yeah, I mean, it's Definitely tricky. tell someone. Yeah, yeah. Tell a trusted adult, which doesn't have to be your parent. Um, I don't know. Listen. Um, I'm also just back from Italy, though, so I might not be able to get the tattoo because I might have COVID-19. Nobody knows. Yeah, I'm also- I don't have a flu, but... Ooh. I'm not just back from Italy, but I do work in an office with someone who's just back from China and did, like like out himself to the HSE because he had a cold and they say it's not corona but like everyone in the office is sick now with what he brought so coronavirus just means cold or flu yeah this specific one yeah is is COVID-19 so he probably did have coronavirus and he's given you all coronavirus it's just not the one that we're all excited about right now yeah I didn't get my jab this year it was a bad move on my part as Mm. an asthmatic yeah But anyway, um, Deirdre Sullivan, tell me about her. Uh, So she's an Irish author born in Galway. Nice, whereabouts? I don't don't know. Okay, because I I spent time in Galway. Um, And she she did a writing course with Siobhan Parkinson, who's also Mm -hmm. a children and young adult author in Ireland. Love Bean or something? Love uh, Moonbean? Is one of hers. Sunbean? Bean. Just something about a bean. I think we might have actually referenced Siobhan Parkinson in your last pod when we talked about um, Amelia. Oh yes, the historical one you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she is Irish. She is Galway? She's... Uh, which? Siobhan uh, Parkinson or Deirdre Sullivan? Siobhan Parkinson. I think she's Galway. She might. Be, she's probably living in Dublin now. Because Maeve Binchy is not conventionally thought of mm-hmm. as a Galway-based author. But when I was in school in Galway, they made a big deal of the fact that she used to attend her primary school for a bit. Oh, very good. So Deirdre Sullivan, uh, this is her third young adult book under her own name. And she also has written three books in the Nightmare Club series, which are really fun standalone books in which kids try to scare scare each other with scary stories a la Goosebumps. But they're all Irish authors. That's really cool. I love that. Annie Greaves, if you're looking for them, is the is the pen title. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so her first book was Needlework, which you mentioned, and then she has Tangleweed and Brine, which is fairy tale retellings. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book is gothic horror. I love how gothic it is, horror. Is how it's described. And it is set in a made-up town outside of Galway called Ballyfran. Is, are there cal- candelabras? Is there, is there an old house? Is there an ominous forest or a moor or anything? There is an old castle. Wonderful. And an ominous forest. Wonderful. I know. Um, so that's kind of it about Deirdre Sullivan. There's going to be a sequel to this book. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. Um, yeah. Have you read anything else by her? No, this was the first time I read her. Um and I enjoyed it immensely. Very floral language. Like prosaic. Very prosaic. Very purple prose. Mm-hmm. Um, very detailed on small things. So the book opens with our two main characters and it's told from Madeline's per- point of view. Mm-hmm. And then there's also her twin sister who is called Catelyn. My book is a twin as well. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves because that's this next week. But the book I'm reading next week has a twin in it. So I guess March is twin month. we got a theme. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Tell me more about these twins. So Madeline is our point of view character and she is the quieter of the two girls. Mm-hmm. She likes to be present, but like a bit further back. And Kathleen is always at the heart of the action and everybody loves her and everyone wants to be around Catelyn and is just interested in being her friend and that's how it's always been. She's charismatic. She is charismatic and she kind of, as a result, carries Madeline a little bit Mm -hmm. in social situations and the two girls have this dynamic and they're good with this. Okay. Okay. This isn't a, I'm coming out of my shell and you're jealous of it situation. Mm -hmm. The relationship between the two girls is solid. Cool. But what is happening now is they are moving from Cork to Galway Mm. because their mother has remarried. Oh dear, very gothic. Very gothic. A stepfather. A stepfather called Brian. That's not a very gothic name. No. I renamed him Brain. No. Okay. Um, Ah, good old Brian in a jar. Their father died when they were quite young um, and they have very limited memories of him. Mm Mm-hmm. He died in a fire in the woods, which did not affect the surrounding area. See, that sounds like it could be an ominous, spontaneous combustion moment. It also sounds like it could be polite Irish for suicide. Yes, it could be both. We should we should lean into the first, though. Okay, cool. Um, it's not... It is not the mystery of this book, mm-hmm. but the book does start with, like them offhandedly mentioning that this is how their father died Mm -hmm. and no one being like how did a fire occur in such a limited location that it only killed one person and didn't even hurt the ground underneath him yeah i mean listen ireland's rainy nowhere's that rainy exactly so that's the vibe of the book unless there's some i mean i guess no, I'm not going to interrupt. I was going to say, unless you've got some accelerants, I guess, a bit of <laughs> petrol might help in that. But you know what? That's not gothic. Uh, so that's the vibe of the book. So they're moving to Ballyfran, which is a made-up town. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really exist. That Wait, we what? know of. Apart- apologies, apologies. Is their mother only moving in with this new fella at marriage? 
Yes. Wow. Um, they got married something like six weeks ago, and now they're all moving into Brian's castle. Lovely. Because Brian's father built and maintained an actual castle complete with moat. Why did he build it? Like, renovating? I can understand, but like, it's Ireland. Why would you build a castle? If you want to live in a castle, they're just there. Okay, I could be wrong. He could have renovated and rebuilt a castle. Nice. But definitely is still a weird thing to do. A bit. I mean, I know people who've renovated castles. They all have a certain energy, but it's not like ominous. Yeah. They're just like grand designs people. <laughs> and also like because it's like a rebuild and he wanted to keep to the original, but he also was doing his own thing. Like parts of it looked like a Normandy castle and mm-hmm. parts of it looked like a French castle and there's secret rooms and secret like secret passageways through the walls um at one point madeline literally just gets lost in the walls of the castle Mm -hmm. and has to be like not quite rescued but someone like their brian's aunt also lives with them Mm -hmm. in a granny flat next door but is very liberal in the i live next door to i live in the main house Mm -hmm. i pop around whenever (laughs) i need company yes and not just pop around whenever she needs company sometimes she's just in the main house all right and and kathleen and madeline are like mom it's weird can she not can you talk to her about like if she's staying in her own space is she brian's sister or aunt she is Brian's aunt. Okay. Um, and she is called Mamo. Mamo. Which I'm aware is Irish for grandmother. It is, but she is nobody's grandmother. And apparently, this appears not to be like a oh, I'm respecting my elders and calling her Mamo, even though she's not my grandmother. Mm-hmm. It appears to be her birth name. No, don't <laughs> do that to someone. What the? Why would you? find a newborn child and call it grandmother it's not even grandmother it's like finding a newborn child or birthing a child and calling it granny yeah like an affectionate nickname for a grandmother and i'm telling this a little bit out of order but i'm gonna talk about mamo for a few minutes okay do mamo is this old lady love that who is also like the village village's wise woman most villages don't have those these days. This is true, isn't it? Mm. It's almost like Ballyfran is a bit weird. Ooh, is it in a time sink? It is not in a time sink, but it is definitely a strange place to okay. go. And and she is really amusing, mostly mm-hmm. because she's super gruff. She's got a pet crow. Love that. I knew you would. I don't think you can really have a pet crow, though. I think you can only be, like, friends. Okay. She has a friend who is a crow. Wonderful. And he is more of a friend than a pet. He's kind of, like, a familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is Barb. Barb. Yeah. And she feeds him steak. Barb is a nice name for a crow because it's a noise they can make. Mm. Barb. Barb. And he's... He just pops up in and out every so mm-hmm. often to the story and Madeline is often just like, the crow is here. Why is the crow here? Creepy crow. And I'm like, best crow. Best crow, big friend crow, love the crow. Um, and so Mamo is very grouchy and set in her ways and is not that thrilled that two 16-year-old girls have moved into the house that is attached to her house. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in terms of ages of kids to move in next door, it's not the worst. No, it could be worse. It could be much, much worse. Like, the worst thing 16-year-olds do is seances. 
and dabbling in the occult and I guess trying to underage drink but like neither none of these are like as disruptive as shouting birthday parties no five-year-olds to have a sudden invasion of five-year-olds I think I think that would be the worst it would stretch the nerves it It would would. be um impactful yeah especially two of them yeah a pair they embolden one another so that's Mamo's deal she so she despises all those like alternative medicines like homeopathy and things like this which really confuses Madeline because she thinks that that's what she's doing yeah she seems like an old like the old village wise woman would be doing that that would be her and Madeline in particular dislikes Mamo partly because she is all full of logic and very set in her goals for the future and she is set out to become a doctor very certain she's very certain on her future she is going to study really hard she's not going to mess around or do anything and she is going to become a doctor very clear goals Mm -hmm. and then her sister Kathleen is kind of is also kind of like I will do something with my future and it will be something good and marvellous because I am good and marvellous but is also just kind of like it'll happen when it happens it's not we'll get there we'll get to the future Mm -hmm. and so that is like the big difference between the two girls but we also discover fairly quick that Madeline has some underlying issues going on Okay, such as? Which I initially read as perhaps a touch of undiagnosed OCD and I was very annoyed with her mom because her mom kept being like, stop doing these things, stop stop enacting on these compulsions. And I was like, maybe if you want your daughter to not act on her compulsions, you should, instead of just shouting at her, you should get her more support Mm -hmm. from trained psychiatrists like you know shouting at someone who has OCD will make them more stressed and you know stress you know how people with OCD manage stress by using their compulsions a lot of these compulsions come out in like her collecting things Mm -hmm. in particular like in particular like salt different herbs she'll be walking through like the forest and she'll be like I need that red leaf that particular red leaf and she'll like keep them in her pockets um she carries around like packets of convenience shop salts mm-hmm. like that you get at mcdonald's mm-hmm. just so that she'll have salt on her and she sprinkles like different types of salt under her bed and her sister's bed and her mm-hmm. mom's bed to keep them all safe mm-hmm. um and before they moved her mom like made her clear out her whole room back in cork and was like you know this isn't normal this isn't right behavior you have to stop this now when we move. You're too old for this behavior, things like this. And she's just like, why are you doing this to me? I need these things to make me feel safe. Does Madeline know that it's compulsive? She does know it's compulsive. And she does at various times be like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But she also does. It. does. Um, the salt thing is like, really really particular for her um and she's like it will keep everyone safe and she's and she's aware the parts that it made me think like it's ocd related were that she was like i if i don't do these if i don't put salt under like my bed and my sister's bed and my mother's bed something bad will happen to them mm-hmm. like this is keeping the bad thing away that does sound ocd ish or 
I mean, it could also be uh, psychosis, mm. depending. But I'm guessing, because you're talking about gothic, there is there some almost magical realism element? Is there an element that she might be witchy? We're going to come to us. Okay. Because I'm going to... Is she keeping them safe from the fairies? A little bit. Is Momo a fairy? No. Okay. Momo is a human woman. Does she know about the fairies? There's no fairies, Aoife. Does she despise the... Does she despise Madeline and Madeline's habits because they're old worldy and traditional medicine-y and she hates that? Or does she not like them because it's like encroaching on her territory as the local weird witch woman? Um, it's more the encroachment. Okay. But she doesn't necessarily despise Madeline as much as she just, like, doesn't want to associate with anyone Mm -hmm. very much. Madeline is particularly annoyed at her mother's, like, disdain for her compulsions because her sister also has compulsions. But they're different. But they are different and they are based around like religious iconography. Okay. In particular, like the Mother Mary. And like when they move, she has like set up an entire shrine in her bedroom, like of religious iconography and like new things come to it all of the time. And she's always like moving things within it and like rearranging it. And she's just like, the, the, the things that my sister gathers as opposed to the things that I gather. Are, are more socially acceptable and therefore mom doesn't go on and on to her about them but we are both continuously gathering things to each other and then rearranging them around ourselves are do they talk about this do the two sisters like discuss this not particularly because her sister so it they related to their father's death mm-hmm. and how and so Madeline is like, I'm a little traumatised by my father's death and so I gather all these things to myself. Caitlin is a little bit traumatised by her father's death and she has turned to religion and like truly believes in the church and Catholicism, but particularly Mary. Yeah. And Madeline is also like, even though I persist in these compulsions and I do believe that they are helping everyone to stay safe and that I am helping by putting the salt under the beds and other things that I do... I know logically that this isn't real and I'm going to become a doctor and there is no religion and no God and I'm going to become a doctor and what I am doing is is illogical and that is unfortunate but I'm doing it but I know that it's illogical. My sister is being illogical in her love of the Virgin Mary and I'm going to become a doctor <laughs> and that is part of why she's like, she herself is also like, I need to work to not do these things. But her mom is, like, not support. No one is supportive of her in not actually, like, persisting in her compulsions. They are just, like, just stop doing them. And she's like, I'll just stop doing them. But that doesn't work. And it gives her a lot of anxiety and does not allow her to sleep. Yeah, they're just, like, stop being the way that you are. They're not like, you can try being this way instead. Or doing this thing. Or taking this small step towards the shape that we would rather you exist in. They're just like, stop Stop it. Mm-hmm. Why are you this person? Be a different person instead. Yeah. Yeah. So the details of her compulsions and her gathering come out throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, re- and they, they're persistent throughout the whole thing. We come to discover the reason that she 
has these compulsions is not mental illness, which I suspected, but in fact that she has a touch of magic in her that is not quite very strong, but could grow into a flame that could consume a person alive in a forest without touching the ground at their feet? Possibly. Mm. We do not solve the mystery of her father's death in this book. Okay. I suspect that it will come back up in the second book. Okay. Um, but she has got a touch of magic in her, similar to that of Mamo's, which is a lot of like spell work and combining ingredients that have like herbs and flowers and different plants in order to have like some sort of effect are these like potions kind of like potions and mamo throughout the whole book just keeps making people tea and being like this will help you sleep (laughs) this will help you relax take this tea um but it's not like a one it's this interesting thing where mamo is like you don't you don't just have like earl grey tea fixes this problem Mm -hmm. It's you have to look at the person and just be like, Earl Grey works for you, but someone else needs chamomile for the same problem. This is reminding me a little bit of Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, where Dash and the great aunt have a conversation where they decide this is the perfect tea for this moment. What a pity we don't have any. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great moment. I love that scene. Um... So that's interesting. And what and what Mamo really does is kind of like manage people's well-being in that way. Where mm-hmm. people come to her with a problem and she's like, it may not work, but try this. And it has to do with old magic. And that's part of the reason why she's so against like new age new stuff. age stuff. Because she's like, that's all crap. Um, crystals. I'm old age stuff. And old age stuff. But so she offers to teach Madeline more about to basically take her on as an apprentice because she apprenticed from her mother and it's supposed to be like this bloodline thing. But and obviously Madeline has it in her blood somewhere, but it's not necessarily like this straight line. Mm -hmm. So she's like, you have a spark, but it's real small, way smaller than mine. Anyone who is directly related to me would have a bigger spark, essentially. She's rude about it. Doesn't she have a nephew? Yeah, but he he also has his own thing going on. Well, tell me, what is it? I'm coming to okay. it. Okay. You can't rush the book. Is the castle magic because Brian and his dad built it? In what The way? castle is not magic in itself, but it it it's touched by magic in that magic has been done in it. I want to know more about how magic works in this world because you're making some very specific delineations that make no sense to me right now. Mm -hmm. Like something can be magic and not magic and touched by magic and quasi-magic and someone can have some magic but not all magic. What is the magic? What can they do? It's unclear. So I'll get I'll get to us. I promise I will get more to the magic. But our point of view character is Madeline, and she spends the whole book not knowing what's going on. Okay. So for a lot of it, we also don't know what's going on, and like some of it comes clear later on, and a lot of it does have to do with like people having. I I want to stop using the word compulsions now. Okay, I'm jumping around, but to help explain, mm-hmm. she meets this. They are both the two new girls at school 
But while they are being the two new girls at school, this other new girl starts at their school. And she is, her father is from the locality and then her mother is French. And they've been living in France most of her life, but they've often like summered or vacationed in Ballyfran and they have a house there and they have now moved there full time. And every time she gets on the bus to like in the morning going to school, her hair is wet because she's been swimming that morning. And she is like, I'm only myself in the water. I, I, I have to go swimming every day in order to be clear headed. I can't be away from the water for long periods of time. And this is part of like the magic that's in her blood. And it doesn't necessarily like benefit her life in any way it's not that she she can't necessarily it doesn't appear that she can do any outward magic but the magic that is inside of her her, or whatever this unnamed thing that everyone in the town kind of has inside of them requires her to be near water and to swim every day and her mom who is French also has this and is like nearly just can't get out of the water okay it's causing a lot of strain on her parents relationship and that's una Mm. i was gonna say something very flippant about how french people probably would struggle to pronounce una Mm. and maybe the magic that she has is that it stopped her going insane with people saying una 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 Una." for like years and years and years so people from outside of this town also have magic and it's kind of it's to do with what you need to keep you healthy and well kind of yes so it's like this person has this specific need and when that need is filled they have this ability or maybe they don't have this ability it's just that this is a need they have yeah um and it's do you know how all old Irish towns, like small Irish like communities and towns have like a family and just everyone is related to them in some way? That's such a weird way to put it, but yeah. That's how it is in this town with this family called the Collinses. Yeah. And they're they're a bit they're a bit rough, the Collinses. Everyone either has Collins's blood in them or on them. I like that. That is a direct quote. Very nice. <laughs> um and we discover that like one of the girls that they're friends with in the school is a Collins and when a little bit tipsy at a youth social event, there's a youth club in this, um, which is run out of the local pub once a month. <laughs> um, once a month they're allowed to go to the local pub and they can, and that, that that's the, the youth club nice. And even though they're all under 18, they can drink in the pub as long as they keep it civil. And then the other weeks they go off somewhere else and they do other youth activities. <laughs> but this is how the town is like, we'll keep our keep our youngins out of the out of the fields drinking by putting them in the pub once a month. That's And they still have to buy their own drinks and everything. But it's just like That's so insane. <laughs> no. You you're allowed to have your underage discos, but it needs to be there needs to be a veneer of we don't want you to drink. Or else what's the point of secretly drinking? It's partly because the uh, the youth club leader owns the pub. And uh, so he's like, he can all come in. And he is of undiscriminate age, but in his late teens, early 20s, and no one can answer what age he is. His name is Lon. We're going to come back to him in a very serious manner. 
But also because he's endorsing so much underage drinking, or for other reasons. For other reasons. Lon. Lon. How do you spell that? It's short for Laurent. Lon. But it's L O N. Is Lon. Okay. Cool. Like, yeah. Okay. Um. But it's short for Laurent. Mm-hmm. Laurent. There's a lot. Depending of on whether or not you pronounce the T. Frenchness in this. Yes, I'm noticing that now. It wasn't something that um you understood or saw during the thing. No, maybe it'll come back in the sequels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Watch out for it when they go to the pub. Madeline is trying to get some information about Lon, mm-hmm. and so she's asking the girls like, "Oh, do." You- do any of you have, like, a thing for him? What's the situation? And they're all disgusted. They're like, no, we wouldn't hang out with him except that he owns the pub and therefore lets us drink here, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls lets slip that the other girl who is a Collins, uh, th- apparently they they in-marry. Oh. And that girl is like, it's not this big a deal. Like, my family will choose a suitor for me. Because it's an arranged marriage almost within the family, but it'll be like a distance relative. We later discover that the Collinses, and it's not relevant to the plot, we just find this ice. And I'm like, no, you can't just tell me this and not have it relevant to the plot. We need to circle back here. And that's why I'm real glad there's a sequel. The Collinses are shapeshifters. Okay, cool. The Collinses are shapeshifters. Who who shapes into what? Nobody knows because it's just offhandedly mentioned that like everyone in this town has ma- Una is Una is talking to Madeline and is like everyone here has some sort of magic, has some sort of something. Like you have this thing with like nature where you need to like gather things to you and you're going to be working with Mamo and I have this thing with water and my mom has this thing with water. And the Collinses are shapeshifters. And I'm like, and then they move on. And I'm like, um, come back here. Come back here a second. I know, like, you want to focus, (laughs) like, you want to focus on the Collinses being shapeshifters. But I'm just thinking about uh, Madeline building, like, all of her nature things into, like, a nest, like, next to a river. (laughs) Like... So that Una can be in the water, they can just hang out in it's, their respective magic. Oh, it's wild. Just like a bower bird. So now that I've kind of set the scene, okay, in a very disjointed manner, mm-hmm. my apologies, I'm going to tell you the actual plot of the book. Okay. So the plot of the book is these two girls have come fish out of water, mm-hmm. because also everyone has grown up together, everyone mm-hmm. knows each other, and everyone is a little bit insular, because they've all got their secrets to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, their stepfather is a very respected man in the village, partly because his father was a very respected man and his father was scary. <laughs> nice. What kind of scary? Um, dark magic scary. Blood magic scary? Possibly. Okay. There is blood magic in this book. Tell me about the blood magic, Kira. We'll get there. I'm doing the plot now and in the plot we will talk about the blood magic. Okay, but I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time. That's fair and justified. Okay. So the two girls start by by going to school mm-hmm. and they discover almost immediately that things are not going to be like they were in Quark because no one here is all that interested in Catelyn. Okay. And this is a problem because she draws all of her energy from being the most important person in any room. And Madeline is also struggling because she socialises by hanging out on Catelyn's 
tales. I'm now also thinking about Fangirl and wondering why so many books are about the quieter twin. Is it because the kind of person who will write a book is the kind who likes a little bit of socialization and then to go home and write 200,000 words? Possibly. And also because it generally gives you more scope for like obvious character growth. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not as much fun to write about a really outgoing, bubbly person who becomes a chill person. I mean, I feel like there's something to be done about like balancing the roles. Like if one person becomes more outgoing, mm. the other person needs to accept that they can't always be the center of attention and it's about the balance of that. Yeah. And that makes that's also like makes sense within twins because often if you do not be careful in your raising of them, you do end up with like two people who make one balanced person. I have a sister who is not my twin, but is 14 months older than me. And our entire childhood was, she was the sociable one. I was the quiet one. I was the academic one. She was the partying one. She wore pink. I wore green and blue. Like it it became a thing. Like I, none of us did that on purpose. My mother perhaps would buy two dresses in the same size because I was very tall for my age and be like, here, you guys have the... Are have out. <laughs> yeah. And Ashlyn would tend to pick the pink one and I became the green girl. Like, I, it just happens. It was when I came to Dublin, though, that I realised that I was a sociable person and I had a strong personality because it just hadn't been relevant until that point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the two girls are starting to become a little bit more independent of each other, but Catelyn is really struggling with the fact that she is not, like, immediately the centre of attention, nobody's all that interested in what, like, she's up to. They struggle with the fact that, like, the school that they're in now is literally, like, them and 50 other kids. In the whole school? Basically. And it's a secondary school? It's a really small community school because it's basically their village and a couple of other close villages and anyone who and anyone else would like a lot of people ship into the city center to go to school instead cool because i was gonna say they must have some magic mumbo jumbo explaining this because you would not keep a school open with 50 students my hometown has a teeny teeny tiny secondary school which again serves the town and like five outlying villages and that's 300 people. Yeah. Well, maybe there's more people, but I got the impression that it was, like, less than 100. Okay. Because we are 300 people, which is, like, 50 per year. Yeah. So it's very, very small. small. Yeah. Um, I get the impression that there's only, like, 20 people in their year. Mm-hmm. Um, Because she's like, we hung up with everyone and it was, like, seven people. <laughs> um, So their year group is definitely very small. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, and their previous school is like much bigger. There was a lot more going on. They were in Urban Cork. They were in Urban Urban Cork. Um, and that also just meant there was a lot more people to shift. Kathleen mm. is into shifting boys, let mm-hmm. me tell you. So one of the people that does give Kathleen attention is this boy called Lon, mm-hmm. who is not a student in the school. Because as I previously mentioned, he's of undetermined age, early 20s, high teens. And these girls are 16. Don't do that. And they meet him because he just hangs around the school sometimes. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. He just hangs around the school. Um, 
and they meet him during like Kathleen smokes and he smokes and Madeline often goes with Kathleen as she's having her her cigarettes and they meet him and Kathleen quickly becomes very infatuated with him. The only two reasons that people in their late teens, early 20s who have finished secondary school have for hanging around the school are one, to sell drugs. Mm-hmm. Two, because they have nothing better to do. So neither of those are attractive partners. No. No. Um, and it is, Madeline points out many times that it is creepy that he's doing this. She's like, I just, I don't like him. None of the other students seem to like him. Everyone kind of gives him a bit of space and thinks he's a bit weird. Why is he hanging out here? Like, are you sure this is like a good idea? And Catelyn is just like, of course it is. He loves me. I love him. Oh, I love him so much. And she's kind of like, I need this. How many weeks in are we? Um, She's in love with him very quick. And she's just like, I've been with, like, I've shifted boys before. And, like, I've done stuff with boys before. And it's never been like this. Like, like he is the air I breathe, nearly. And she's, like, super, super into him. And he's like, yeah, no, you're pretty cool. Are other students warning them against him or is it just like they're not talking to him much? Other students are not warning them against Lon, but they are like, hmm, it's not a choice I would make, okay. but you do you. I- and Madeline is like, I need to investigate Lon and his situation. Partly because, and I haven't mentioned this already because I'm waiting to hear the noise you make, this town has a history of young girls ending up dead. Many, many girls on a semi-regular basis end up dead and their bodies not necessarily always found. So they also end up missing. And both of our main, both of our, both girls, Madeline and Kathleen, often refer to them, particularly the girl who most recently went missing. And Madeline often like runs through their names some of their names as like almost a mantra where she's just like this place feels unsafe um and the last girl is a little bit tied to lon her name is helen and he had an ex-girlfriend called helen and madeline is like are you sure that's definitely not the same helen like did you actually ask it like are people giving him space because he was he was questioned about this girl who went missing. Are you sure? And Catelyn is like, no, no, no. He had an ex-girlfriend called called Helen, but it's not the same Helen. Everything's fine. It's all fine. It's not him. He wouldn't do that. He'd never do that. And nobody will like give a straight answer in the town about it either. They're just like, mm, yeah, no, he did date a girl called Helen. Um, And it turns out it was the same girl, but they're like, but like no charges wherever. It's fine. What's the time frame of these um, disappearances? There's roughly about 10 years between them, usually. Sometimes it's a little less, sometimes it's a little more. And so they're not in immediate danger if Helen is relatively recent? Helen was about five or seven years previously. Well, then they are in danger. They are in danger. um, Because, again, he's of them, like, they're not really sure what age he is. Madeline is like, okay, if he's 19, it probably would have been, like, when he was, like, 12 or something. So that's a bit young. But if he is in his early 20s, then he would have been, like, 15, 16. And that kind of, someone could murder someone at that age. 
in the townspeople's defense, mm-hmm. like in a small town, everyone kind of dates. Yeah. And like everyone has a connection to everyone. And so you can't just ostracize someone because they were close to the dead girl. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. There's it's- just too many people or too many people connected to everyone because the community is so interwoven because there's too few people. Yeah. So earlier I had a line on the tip of my tongue, like when you're telling me about the girl's dad's death, I was like, well, that's just one perfectly preventable death. Where's the rest of them? I'm guessing this is it. It's all of these deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Catelyn Kat- becomes more and more like obsessed with Lon. And during that, during the time when they go to the youth club social in the pub, she like disappears upstairs with him because he owns the pub and like lives upstairs. And she's just like, oh, I think we might have sex tonight. Like I'm... I'm up for it. And, God, and Madeline getting... is like, ah, I really hope you don't. He's, get... he's getting creepier the more I find out about him. Yeah, it's bad. Um, ultimately, they just do hand stuff and other things. No! You can't invite 16-year-olds into your business as a youth club. You can't be a youth club leader. Who fucks teenagers? You can't do it. I'm going to kill you if you do it. Thank you for that great audio. <laughs> I agree, though. I'm gonna kill him. Yeah. I'm gonna murder him, and that will prevent any of the deaths, because his death isn't preventable, because I'm gonna do it, and no one can stop me. Shortly after this, uh, Madeline, also, Kathleen starts showing up with some suspicious bruising, which is not fun. Angry. Yeah, same. And so, shortly after this, Madeline uh, breaks her trust, which is very smart, and tells her mother and her stepdad about like what's going on and how she is thinking that things are not right in this mm-hmm. relationship that Kathleen is having. And she does try to discuss it with Kathleen first. And Kathleen is just like, this is the love of my life. Everything is going right. Um, but she is a little bit concerned that she's like, every relationship that I've had before now, I have had the power in which I was like, a little less... I was the one who was less in love. I was the one who was less in love. I held the power and I, like, I could end the relationship anytime I wanted and it wouldn't have, like, hurt me immensely or it would have been painful but it would have been fine and I'd have moved on with my life. And again, she's 16. Uh, Whereas now she's just like, he is my life. I live and breathe long. I dream of him every night. I have theories. You have theories? I have a theory that Lon did a magic on Catelyn to make her obsessed with him and that he's done this before for other girls and that he absorbs their life energy somehow and that's how he stays young forever. And it turns out that he's actually really, 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 really old because uh, Lawrence is a Frenchish name and historically Galway has had strong merchant ties to France. Aoife, you've got it in one. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm completely wrong. <laughs> no, I'm willing to be, to be like, that. that is, the ending of the book is him, like, it's not that he has done a magic to make her obsessed with him, so as much as, like, being the centre of his focus. Mm-hmm. And her lack of other supports that she's yeah. used to. Um, Like, so Brian, like, 
warns him off when he finds out about all this going on and he he's just like you're not hanging out with him um they take her phone away because she refuses to like stop contacting him they do find other ways to communicate which teenagers will do and ultimately he does try to take her life Mm -hmm. um i don't want to get into the ending too much but weird phrasing physically away from her yeah interesting um i'm gonna circle back okay okay so because you wanted to know about the blood magic Mm -hmm. so the two girls are going out for a stroll one night to the forest which is on their property there's just a forest on their property because they live in the deep country it's so weird to me that you go for a midnight walk in a forest with your sister i think that they were going meeting up with someone who wasn't wasn't long Okay, because like and also the cell reception in the castle and the surrounding areas is dodgy, so they uh, go for walks to text people. Just basically, yeah, as one does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not midnight; it's just like dark. It's winter; it's dark at five. True. Um, and they spend a lot of time throughout the book just like walking around the place because there's very little to do. Yeah. Um, and they come across a fox that has been recently purposefully killed Mm -hmm. and they end up going back they find it and it's like still warm and they go back to the to the castle and Mamo comes back with Mamo brings uh Madeline back with her to the fox and they like grab a load of jars before they leave that have different herbs and things in them and Mamo basically tries to undo the spell that has been done using this fox Mm -hmm. and what she does is she's what she describes it is is in like that there are beings that are more powerful to us and what has happened is this person has sacrificed this fox in order to like make a make a request and that can like bring a being in in order to help and that is how the magic works okay as a whole so it's not coming from the self, it's coming from external? Yeah. But some magic comes from the internal. A little bit. Or is it all about making offerings that can be interpreted by these greater beings? Because in that case, it's just praying, and that's religion. I think it's kind of a mix of both. Okay. And that you kind of need to have some sort of like magic touch in order to make the asks okay but it's not 100% necessary it's unclear because while Mamo this is the first time in the narrative that Mamo is like you have something worth nurturing in that like you helped me with this magic um and that you kind of have she Mamo is like I see something in you Mm. but Madeline the whole time is just like I don't want us I don't want it. I have my life planned out. I'm I'm going to be be a doctor. doctor. And Mamo is like, if you... She later offers to, like, apprentice her. But she's like, if you do this, that's it. That's your life. Like, you don't go to school. You don't go to college. You live here and you apprentice with me. And that's your life. There's no... It's one or the other. There's there's magic or there's non-magic. And you have to decide which one you're gonna, which one you're gonna do, which life you're gonna live. That's a lot of pressure at sixteen. It is, and ultimately, the decision that the decision that Madeline actually makes 
partly because she's like, my sister is going through such a time right now and my mom really needs me to be normal and low pressure and like easy is that she goes to mama and she's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to cut off that part of myself and I'm going to go be a normal person who becomes a doctor. Um, because either life requires her to cut something off from herself. Yes. I, I hate dichotomies and I hate ultimatums and I don't think they're necessary. Same. And I think that if kids are able to commute from this area into the city, then Madeline can live at home and study at GMIT or whatever the med school in Galway is. Madeline can live in this town and study in NUIG to be a doctor and literally still live in this big castle with her magic uh, apprentice her teacher of the other kind. Yeah, um, she doesn't think that it's it's fully necessary, but Mamo was th- like, you're starting late. If you were like born into this apprenticeship, you'd have started at birth, essentially. That, mm, okay. um, but she does turn it down, so... Mm-hmm. Hmm. but that is like a massive thing that she's like questioning the whole time like what is she going to do about Mamo's offer how is what why was what was the ask that was asked by the like by the murdering of the fox mm-hmm. what's going on there other animals show up dead but not murdered just like there's just a lot of dead birds around mm-hmm. um that can be a house cat it doesn't have to be something ominous they get a kitten well, then that explains the dead birds. When when her family forbids her from seeing Laurent, from seeing Lon, and instead of because he's often waiting at the bus stop for her, they start driving them to school so that like they she can't like see him at the bus mm-hmm. stop and stuff. Brian comes home with a kitten and is like, "Look, a kitten!" <laughs> instead of a boyfriend, it, you, you can't have a boyfriend, but you can't have this kitten. Um. And Madeline bonds with the cat, but Catelyn is like, I see what you're doing, and I am not appreciative of this. I don't trust and it. And they call it Button. Button. Yeah. Very good. He's a very cute little kitten. Does the cat have magic? No, the cat is just a kitten who pees on people. Oh, God, just like a kitten. It one time pees on Madeline, and Madeline is like, I don't trust you now. <laughs> um, you mean Catelyn? No, it pees on Madeline. I thought Madeline liked the kitten. She does eventually, she trust. but she's just like, no more lap sitting for a while, you dumb kitten. Fair. When they go back to school, Catelyn is like further annoyed that people are still not like interacting with her very much, but they are very interested in the kitten. Wild. Does Snapchat exist in this universe? Yes. Oh, I don't like that. Um, we are covering young adult fiction from the future because... I am 24 and Snapchat kind of existed when I was a teen, but as an older teen and the fact that kids these days are using technology that I didn't use as a teen is... Scary to you? It's displeasing. Yeah. Um, and so Madeline is juggling a lot of things mm-hmm. because in addition to juggling, juggling her sister's uh, love life, which is abusive, mm-hmm. and is called so within the book. God. People within the book are like, this is emotionally and physically abusive. He is not treating you well. You need to like look at this. And they are putting things in, like, in place in order to like limit her interactions with him. But it's not 
all working out because she's not listening to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's dealing with her mom's um, pressure for her to conform to regular society more. Mm-hmm. She's dealing with Mamo's offer to apprentice her, which again circles back to her stress over her mother. And she is also dealing with a blossoming realization that she may be a lesbian. But she was talking about a Galway boy. Yes. So she has previously shifted a number of boys and it was just like, yes, this is an activity that one does at this age. This is something that is happening on my face right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that aforementioned French girl, Una, it turns out has a girlfriend in France who she misses very much. And our main character, our Madeline, is just like, oh, an actual LGBT person that I am talking to. Amazing. And she does say that she knew that there were LGBT people in her previous school and then is like, and possibly an A? Question mark? Mm-hmm. Me? Question mark? Um, but she later is like, no, I think that I'm a lesbian and I'm in lesbians with Una. But Una has a girlfriend. Una and her girlfriend break up because the long distance is very difficult. And they have no fixed endpoint for and it. And they have no fixed endpoint for it. And they are 16. And Una's girlfriend starts dating someone else. And Una is very upset about it. And Madeline is like... What if you dated me, though? Exactly. Maybe she's very, very shy. It's a good slow burn between them. Mm. But... When they do make out a little bit, Una is like, I really like you. You are a very good friend. But unfortunately, there is no spark when we kiss. And so I do not think that I could ever love you in that fashion. And Madeline is like, yes, I understand. But what if we kept kissing anyway? Oh, that's so sad. And when I read this, I texted you and my text was, imagine being a 16 year old girl and you love another girl and want to kiss her and she wants to kiss you too, but she doesn't love you. And I think that that just sums up being 16. (laughs) That's agony though. Yeah. That's so sad. Um, And so she is like trying to come to terms with her sexuality during all of this. And she's like, I really want to talk to my sister about it. But my sister is going through so much. Mm -hmm. And her sister also makes like a couple of like soft homophobic remarks Mm -hmm. um, that Madeline calls her out on. And she's just like, it's fine. There's no gay people around. And I'm like, Catelyn, be better. I want to be on your side. Be better. There's always gay people around (laughs) that's the thing you see is that gay people are born into every family in the world in every place in the world at every time in the world so don't be a dick to gay people because we are here and we're queer and we're quietly unhappy that you said that but we're not going to make a big deal about it because we don't want to just make a big deal about everything um and so that kind of like delays her in like coming out to her sister and to her mom because she's like I also just want to like figure out what's going on before I do anything about it. Does she like hang out with Una beforehand? Like do they spend time together? Yeah yeah no they their relationship they're friends first first and foremost they are friends Madeline is really supportive of the fact that uh, Una is like trying to 
is sad about her relationship ending and is like she doesn't immediately be like oh your relationship ended we should shift like there is a bit of bit of time between it Mm -hmm. um but like as their relationship is like slowly developing Kathleen and Lon's relationship is also developing in like the opposite more abusive direction Mm -hmm. so there's a lot like just going on all of these things are happening at once like I'm telling it out of order because I'm basically giving you the individual plot lines Mm -hmm. but basically they start school Catelyn meets Lon like a week or two later they meet Una and then everything develops from there Mm -hmm. about four or five weeks after they start school they find the fox like and then I think the book occurs over like a two to three month period. Mm -hmm. So like everything is happening all at once, but also really slowly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's an interesting read because I was reading it and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this because so much is happening, but so slowly that you don't actually notice it happen nearly. Mm -hmm. But the... Some of that's definitely the writing style because you said it was very flowery. It is very flowery. And there's this like, every chapter is named after um, a different herb or flower with the, the, the symbolic nature of that herb or flower or how it can be used in healing and mm-hmm. things like this. Um, so it's just very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very atmospheric. The whole book is so atmospheric. And there is like, the castle is really gothic and filled with like loads of different things that are like, some of it is like really medieval and some of it is really modern and the castle just kind of accommodates both in like this really weird way and like there are, like you can get lost within the walls of it. Mm. Um, And there's this thing where like magic affecting you in some way tends to make you really warm Mm -hmm. and both girls are like, the castle is always roasting it's absolutely ridiculous how hot the castle always is and their mom is like it's freezing what are you talking about i'm always freezing in here and they're like oh you should like sleep in one of our rooms tonight or something because it's so hot in in our part of the castle i can't believe you said that right then because i was literally just gonna say it must be a bugger tea um there, th- Brian gives them an exact figure which is in the thousands for how much it costs to heat the castle for the full year and the two girls find it hilarious and they like quote it back and forth to each other after they get a tour of the place by Brian mm-hmm. um, their relationship and the banter between them is very very good very natural um, kind of like when we read actually every time we read an Irish book I'm like the banter is so on point excellent good 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 um, so the culmination of all of the various things that have been happening in the book is that Lon and Kathleen run away together and he kills her but before she dies Madeline finds her because she's been missing and people have been searching for her finds her using some sort of magic thing that she's not really sure how it's working or how she knows what to do but she basically puts a load of stuff into her eye and then her eye is like letting her see through the dimensions to where her she needs to go for her sister mm-hmm. um, and it's all very instinctual warning please don't do this yes don't do this <laughs> She finds her sister and she tries to sacrifice Button in order to save her. And her Mamo finds her and is like, no, that won't work. You need, like, a soul needs to be sacrificed, but that 
that kit and soul isn't enough, essentially, mm-hmm. and you're d- going about it wrong. Yeah. And so Mamo saves Kathleen by sacrificing Madeline's soul. So both girls are now alive, but Kathleen is, like, touched by death, and the way in which Lon attacked her means that, like, he tried to, like, he's kind of a demoness spirit, mm-hmm. and he tried to, like, eat parts of her, and the parts of her that he, like, ate have, like, been reformed, but they have, like, left very serious deformities on her face and her body. Like, parts of her hair are now... Her hair is, like, a different colour in part. And so she is alive, but she has changed. Is it, like, physically eating her? Or did he try... Physically eating her. Okay, and the replacement of her physical existence with parts of Madeline's soul mm-hmm. makes her hair change colour and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um. So she is like physically changed, visibly changed. It is lessening a little bit, but won't... Like, the her skin is all red and blotchy in places where it was, like, bitten and stuff. And she's working with different makeups to try fix it. Mm-hmm. But it's very difficult. And I think her hair won't take to dye or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The change in Madeline is like completely unseen because who knows what a soul looks like, but she essentially doesn't have a soul anymore. And the deal in which she made in order to get Mamo to help means that she has to give four years of an apprenticeship to Mamo, after which she can decide what she's going to do afterwards. And f- that, and she has to move into Mamo's um, granny flat. And that is where we begin book two. See, that would be a way better deal if it didn't involve sacrificing your soul. Yeah. Like, you should get a trial run. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um, and it turns out that all of the girls previously, as you correctly theorized, had been murdered by Lon, who is an ageless being and has now been driven out and or killed, I can't quite remember, by Brian and other people. And... Brian kind of knew that Lon was kind of involved in something, but they didn't really know what. And his he had like his connections to his father and Lon, and it's kind of a thing where they were probably doing dark stuff together. Uh, and that's yeah. part of the reason why Brian was like, Lon is okay. Like my he was in with my father and my father is not a great man but he was well respected and maybe if we treat Lon differently things will be okay and like let him hang out with people who appear to be the same age as him even though we all know that he is of an un- unknown age so he feels a lot of blame for that um there's also like their mom has like this whoa magic exists also i'm apparently really attracted to magic guys yeah because the castle is cold for me but my two daughters can sense magic and also my new dude is is of some sort of magic um and it is it would appear that some sort of spell has been put on her to make her forget about magic because she it's unclear and Mamo is like I could undo it but I don't think she wants it undone Yeah, and that could be why she like has such a hard time accepting stuff around Madeline and also why she doesn't ask any questions about like the father's death uh-huh. and there's just a lot of like 
unclearness about why about it all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but basically that's the book yeah hmm. any, any questions a lot of questions <laughs> what's the deal with France I don't know I think it could just be like there's magical I think it could just be like there's magical bloodlines in many places and it happens that like they have they have come to Ballyfran and like that they seek each other out kind Collinses. of Collins's. Collins's. Yeah. I did Google um, the Irish name Lon or mm-hmm. the Irish word Lon when you were talking about it. Yeah. And what I was going to focus on was the fact that it means like a lull or mm-hmm. like an, an empty space. But another definition is also insatiable. So Lancreus is an unsatiable, unnatural appetite. Yeah, that is accurate to, to our boy. So <laughs> that's... That's meaningful. That's something, <laughs> huh? That's something, huh? Interesting. Yeah. So does Ma- does Madeline feel different without her soul? Not in any way that she can articulate. Okay. Um, and who knows? who knows the weight of a soul? That's a whole thing that Mamo like goes on about. She's like, I have to take your soul, but we don't know like how much soul you have, essentially. Everyone's soul is different. Okay. Like how everyone's pancreas weighs something different. That's not really true. I, mean, I just picked an organ. You can have an inflamed pancreas. You can. People's hearts are different sizes. Don't make me think about that. There we go. Like how everyone's heart is a different size. I'm sorry. I'll stop picking organs. I preferred pancreas. <laughs> we all have livers. We do all have livers. Back in the day... Uh, we didn't have livers? Yeah. It was real weird. Uh, you should have been there. It was great. No, back in the day, I think... I don't know what disease it is, but there's a disease that makes your pancreas inflamed enough that people used to think that you essentially had a left liver and a right liver because the pancreas was the size of the liver. That's bad. That's really bad. I don't like that at all. It's very unhealthy. Yeah, so when you're like, the pancreases are all different sizes, (laughs) it's like, it's not healthy. Um, Any other questions that I can help you with? No, other than what are your highlights, lowlights, and weird little sidelights? My sidelights, I'm going to do first, and it's probably just the other kids in the school that I didn't get into who were just like, weird but also just very 16 17 year old teenagers and they're also just like we've known each other forever and we don't need to discuss everything because we know things and also why are you talking about the weird things that are happening in this town just let it go just let it happen un unremarked upon you weirdos Mm -hmm. um my highlight is the phrase Everyone either has Colin's blood in them or on them because I think it will stick with me forever. I like it a lot. And, and also I did mean to say when you were making that comment, like, oh, very generous with the blood transfusions, <laughs> are they? But clumsy about it. Um, but I think my other highlights would probably be actually, Brian is not a perfect person, but he tries really hard to be a good stepdad to mm. these two teenagers. And he's like, listen... I know that I'm coming into your life life late 
and that your mom and I were dating for quite a while but got married real quick and now there's been this big upheaval and I don't know how to parent you because like I'm not your parent but also like I kind of am your parent because you live in like my house which is your house it's our house um, and I'm doing my best. So like, if you've any problems in the town, like I'm a, a respected figure. So like, come talk to me and like, I'll try to do whatever I can. Like, I know the people here and everyone's here for, I like, I grew up with everyone here and I went to school with them all. And like, I'm going to do my best to like, do my best by you. And, and the two girls are just like, okay, you need to chill. And I... he, but he like has this conversation <laughs> with them, like a number of times where like, uh, Madeline will actually come up to him at some point and be like, I need to know information about like, I found a dead fox and he's like, okay, I, I have things to tell you, but I need to talk to your mom first because, oh, I've been trying to tell her that this town is weird, but I haven't yet because, oh, I just, it's going to be awkward. And when the mom finds out about magic and when the mom finds out that Brian knew about magic, he's just like, the time to tell me was not eight weeks into our marriage. The time was to tell me was eight weeks before. And she's just like furious with him. And I'm like, I agree. I agree very much so. Also, my other main comment is that your Brian impression was really, really assisted by the glasses you're wearing right now. And the fact that you're wearing a big cozy jumper, you've got some powerful stepdad energy. Like, you're the cool, younger bisexual that some woman marries after she has teenage kids. And it's like, no, you'll love Kira. That's the vibe I want to give out. The vibe I always want to give out is cool step parent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, and that was that was Brian was just like a proper highlight. He was mm. just like really good throughout. Um, my low light is possibly. I don't really have a low light. Um, like, I don't love mental health being used as a as a plot point usually especially like unclear vague references to oh it could be you could read it as this but I think that it is done in such a manner that actually doesn't like doesn't pick on people with OCD or doesn't pick on people with compulsions it doesn't make them the scapegoat of the novel yeah and it also doesn't come out with like anyone who has compulsions is actually made of magic it's it's not it's not that um which Mm. i was pleased by but i do remember texting you at one point being like i think the main character has uh ocd or magic i think it's gonna be magic (laughs) yeah yeah it's yeah it's and it's something i'm always so aware of in my own writing is like the way tropes of magic and the supernatural have often come from the demonization of neurodivergent people and people with mental illnesses Mm. like a thing that i think of a lot is the changeling myth and how a lot of changeling myth probably arises out of autistic children um children who appear to be developing quote-unquote normally for a certain amount of time and then they either don't acquire certain skills that people expect them to or they just act in different ways and how people react really badly to that because people do and then they accuse these kids of being swapped by stuff and like the idea of a changeling is like super interesting to explore in art but like can you do that when it's kind of what you're writing about has to be also about autistic characters Mm. whereas what this author has done is 
writing about compulsions that are magic without rea- writing about real people who have compulsions. Yeah. Um, I will say that, like, discovering that she has some form of magic doesn't stop her from having compulsions, which is often, like, a trope of now that you know that you have magic, you are no longer depressed. Mm-hmm. Now that you've discovered the reason why you are, like, ostracized from your community, you are no longer... Not you are not no longer ostracized, but you are no longer hurt by it. Yeah, um, you uh, found your true self. Like that doesn't that doesn't happen. Her, she isn't like now that I know the reason, I can be fulfilled in myself. She's like, this sucks because now that I, even though I know the reason why I'm compelled to do this, I'm still compelled to do it. People still judge me by it. It's still not ideal, which is kind of the same as would have happened. As if she had gotten official diagnosis. diagnosis, she still would have. She would have been given treatments. She would have been given like supports. Would have been put in place. But like that's almost exactly what's happened in this case, except that the supports are she goes apprentices for Mamo. Yeah, this a parallel can also be drawn between uh, this and the Percy Jackson books, mm. where the the young adults who are half god have certain traits such as they have ADHD and they're dyslexic and the in-text explanation for these things is like uh, their minds are made for reading Greek, not English and they have uh, battle readiness, hyper-awareness and awareness of things that other people can't see and that means they have ADHD and they move into a world where these are normalised traits that are beneficial for almost everyone but still in the world outside, they deal with having dyslexia and ADHD. Yeah. So kind of like in this town, everyone has compulsions and it's relatively normal. That's kind of how we work. But out in the world, you're still going to have to deal with, if you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to some way manage this compulsion to pick up leaves. Yeah. So that's the book. Those are my highlights, sidelights and lowlights. What was the lowlight again? My mental was the being. mental illness being a plot point, but I I came like honestly the book was so good that I don't have any particular like they like there's also <clears throat> there's whole a pl- whole plot line about an abusive boyfriend to a teenage girl, um and everyone within the book is like he's being an abusive boyfriend to you and she's like no but I love him so much and they're like we understand but he is being abusive mm-hmm. and because you are. 16 and we are your parents we are going to put a lot of boundaries in place around this and she is very upset about it and nobody is like okay because you're upset we're just going to allow like that he is everything where i'm like oh that's bad is acknowledged by the characters in the book as being bad okay cool. and i'm like oh thank you for doing that thank you for because you've we've read books like, not necessarily for the pod, but you've definitely read a book where there is an abusive partner and nobody within the book acknowledges it. This is like what Scatter Heart that I read for the last episode, yes. where there was a lot of bad things that happened in the book, but it was the author being historically accurate and trying to highlight some of the miseries of the past. So my low light was a thing that she didn't highlight as bad. It was, the again, a relationship between yeah. an older boy and like a much younger girl and how that is inappropriate yeah. and it isn't treated right by the text. Like the abuse in this is treated mm. right, 
but perhaps the treatment of mental illness yeah. isn't. I think it. it I think ultimately it is mm-hmm. just because, like, nobody is saying that she definitely has. I'm reading OCD into mm-hmm. the text, and obviously that's something to be mindful of, but. Like, it's not like she has a diagnosis of OCD and then discovers that that's not what, that's not it at all. The the normal humans have misdiagnosed me in some way and it's mm-hmm. actually that I'm, it's, it's kind of like if she hadn't found this place, she possibly would have been diagnosed with OCD at some point. Yeah. But, and if she leaves this world, she probably will need to do some work around that, but it's not a cure-all. Yeah. She hasn't been cured by magic in okay. any way. Cool. So yeah, my low light came around to I'm still kind of very pleased with how they dealt with it. Alright, not a bad complaint to have not then. Not a bad complaint. I'm very excited for the sequel and we'll definitely be doing it on the pod. Wonderful, that'll be kind of our first time doing that. Yeah, because we did all we did three of the Skullduggeries all at once. You did, yeah. I did. I, I read them all and then I was like, I need to talk about all of them. Yeah. Okay, uh, what book are you doing in two weeks time, Eva? I'm just checking the author's name... I, next week, no, sorry, for the next episode, I'm going to be reading the book Once by Sarah Crossan. Sarah Crossan's also an Irish author and one, God fucking damn it, uh, edit that out. For the next episode, I'm going to be doing the book One by Sarah Crossan. Sarah Crossan's an Irish author and she is also writing a book about twins and these twins, despite being written by an Irish author, are American. So it will be interesting to discuss the writing of an Irish writer outside of the world of Irish banter. And to catch that episode, it will be coming up in your feeds on the 21st. You can also catch updates about this episode and all other episodes from us on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at ForeverYAPod and on Instagram at ForeverYAPodcast on Goodreads at Forever YA Pod and on Patreon at Forever YA Pod. It's also great if you could review us on whatever podcasting pro- platform you are using to listen to us. If you can't, you can always just tell a friend. Yes, it is actually like super a big deal if you tell your friends that you are listening to our podcast and that you think that they would listen to our podcast. Um, I'm also interested in like what people's favourite episodes so far is so that I can start highlighting uh, favourite episodes that people have. I have a few in my head that are my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I want to give a shout out to Skullduggery Pleasant which we, uh, which we mentioned earlier which got a hundred listens this week. This week? No. Like Sorry. It broke 100 it, listens. Which week. broke 100 listens this week, and I'm very proud of us. That is pretty cool. I would like to say, on the topic of promotion, this is kind of just an aside. I was listening to the Mac. I was listening to, you know, the McElroys mm-hmm. of Mabim Bam fame. They had their 500th episode recently, so they were talking about the early days of their podcast. And Travis mentioned he used to burn early episodes onto CDs and leave that CD in the disk drive of a van he was renting occasionally so that when the next people went in to rent the van and turned on the car, it would automatically start playing his podcast. That is such a McElroy move. That's such a Travis move. And I have to say, guys, this is why you have to retweet us. If you don't, (laughs) we'll start enthusing this terrible energy 
around the world to innocent people who just want to move some furniture. Okay. It's a safety protocol. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Thank you.